Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Recently, I had the opportunity to be in a conversation with a young adult who was in college, had grown up at this church, and it was a a wonderful time to, to get to catch up with him. He asked me many questions. He shared with me that, that while at college, he had stopped attending church. And I asked him if it was because he was staying up late on Saturday nights. And he said that wasn't the only reason. Uh, he was thinking he might be an atheist. I asked him why he, he would be an atheist. And he said to me uh, that he had some questions about some passages in the Bible uh, that didn't seem very loving. And then he said to me uh, that he had some questions about the way church worked that didn't seem very loving, that looked more judgmental. And he'd taken a philosophy class and he said, I I look at history and I I wonder if religion isn't just something that we use sometime to control people's minds. And then he said, "I, I see that sometimes it's used to try and make people politically think like we think and do what we want them to do. I asked him, I said, did you ever feel like anyone at Concord United Methodist Church used Christianity politically to try and make you think politically like them? Did, did you ever feel like anybody used it to control your mind? He said, no. So I said, well, what, what causes you to, to wrestle with this? And he said, well, you know, the Christians on TV. And the Christians on TV are indeed Christians. And we see sometimes Christianity corrupted uh, for selfish purposes, uh, for uh, what we might call partisan purposes. And we're wrestling with how do we share Christ in this culture? How do we share who this Jesus is who loves us and who loves the least, the last, and the lost? This Jesus who loves Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female, uh, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. How do we share this Jesus in this culture that we have? That's what we're uh, talking about as we talk about, as you heard on the, the video, is your well deep enough to, to reach Jesus, do we know this one who we want to, to share? And I would encourage you as we go on this journey together uh, through, through this series where we talk about why church? Why do we need a church? Why do we need to be the church for our world? Why was church Jesus's idea? Uh, why, why didn't he just tell us everything we needed to know and let us do it on our own? I encourage you to be a part of reading your Bible every day. I think it's going to help you along this journey. We have Bible reading plans for this. You can pick them up there at the Information Center. You can also find them online at concordunited.org slash Bible. And there you can find a chance if you're not already signed up for our daily devotionals. Those come out in email form. You can also access them via podcast. This is one of the best ways we have to continue to grow in our faith and to be able to know Christ and to share Christ. I want to share with you 
what I shared with that young man. And he hasn't completed his journey. He's still on it. I think if you asked him today, uh, he would say he's not quite sure what he believes. I asked him some questions. Uh, we got very basic. I, I asked him, when you look at the beauty of the Smoky Mountains, do you think it's an accident that those are there? Uh, when you look at the stars in the sky, do you ever think about why is there something rather than nothing? Didn't somebody have to begin this whole thing called creation? And I asked him, when, when you look at history, have you ever seen a life as beautiful as Jesus Christ? Have, have, you, have you ever seen anything that compares to what we see in Jesus anywhere in history, in literature, in your own life? Is there anything you've ever seen that compares to, to this man? And then, then I shared with him what I thought Christi, Christianity was all about. That's relationships with God and one another. And friends, Christianity is either about relationships or it really is nothing more than dangerous religious propaganda, right? Either it's about loving God and loving our neighbors or it's just dangerous religious propaganda that can be used to control people, that can be used uh, to get people to politically do what you want them to do, uh, that can be used to control their behaviors and their thoughts in ways that are sometimes harmful. No, no, no. Christianity is either about relationships or it's about nothing worthwhile. Thankfully, I think that's exactly what Jesus taught. In John 13, uh, this is coming up the, the night before Jesus was to be arrested. Jesus gives his disciples a new commandment. And in fact, this is a commandment he gives them after they join him at the, the table for the, the last supper that we'll celebrate through Holy Communion. Jesus says these things to them. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Sharing Christ means loving others as Jesus has loved us. That's how we know how to love others. You know, it's interesting. We recently had someone here at the church and they were new to our church. They, they'd been at other churches of a slightly different flavor. And they said to me, they said, Pastor, you preach a lot on love. I said, yes. And they said, Ed, we, we appreciate it. When are you going to switch topics? Well, I'm not sure I am. I think this is the topic. I think every other topic comes from this topic. How our ethics should come from this topic. What does love look like? Our beliefs about who God is, uh, at their core, God is love. And we believe that love uh, is contained in a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a God who became flesh in Jesus Christ and lived and died and rose again. But it all goes back to that love, how we worship, how we serve, how we take care of our families, how we conduct ourselves in the business world, at, in the schools, wherever it might be, uh, how we think about God's purpose for our lives and God's presence in our lives. It all goes back to that love. And so if we want to share Christ, we have to know Jesus' love. You can't take anybody somewhere you haven't been. We, we have to know how Jesus loves us, not just that Jesus loves us. That's, that's easy to, to believe, 
but how Jesus loves us. And then to love others, how Jesus loves us. So we have a passage that I believe in Scripture, Jesus gives us a model for how he loves in this interaction. And it, interestingly enough, it takes place at a well with a woman who is from Samaria. And if you remember the history, uh, Samaritans and Jews, and Jesus was a Jew, uh, they, they did not like each other. Uh, Samaritans lived just north of Israel. Uh, at one time, they had been a part of Israel, but then they were conquered by Assyria and they became uh, this interesting mix of assimilation between Assyrians and Jews. So uh, they held some of the beliefs of Jews and some of the beliefs of other cultures, and they developed an incredible rivalry with, with the Jews, and the people did not think highly of each other. They did not like one another. But Jesus is in Samaria. A Jewish rabbi, a Samaritan woman, comes to the well to, to draw water, and he begins something that is totally culturally inappropriate. He starts talking to her. A Jewish man would never talk to a Samaritan woman, and certainly not a Jewish rabbi, a leader in, in the religion. But he begins a conversation with her. And early in their conversation, he says these words to her from John 4, beginning with verse 13. Uh, when they're talking about water, and he's asked her to give him a drink and they, they begin talking about, about drawing water. Here, here's what he says. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. What, what's he doing there? He's offering himself to her, right? Uh, again, you, you can't uh, go where, where you haven't been. And, and he's saying, hey, I've, I've been in the presence of the Father. I, I know what living water is that can really fulfill you and sustain you throughout your life. I'm offering that. I'm offering myself to you right now. I, I'm offering it to you. And that's just where the conversation begins. It continues, and we see how he offers himself to her through this, this conversation. And what we see is that he knows everything about her, and he loves her. And we learn from that that sharing Christ means loving others even when you know their dirty laundry, right? Just as Jesus loves you. Jesus knows your dirty laundry. He knows the stuff you're hoping nobody saw. He knows the thoughts you're glad nobody knows that ever went through your head. Jesus loves you even though he knows your dirty laundry. That's how he loved this woman. That's how he loves you. That's how he calls us to love one another. I'll share with you when she learns that he knows her dirty laundry. This is picking up with verse 16. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And so he knows it. And he knew it before he ever started the conversation. Because that's, that's kind of how he is. He, he can do that kind of thing. 
And he started the conversation and he knew I want to invest in this person. I see potential in this person. Loving others often, even though we know their dirty laundry, often means seeing potential in them, even though we know their faults and their failures of the past. There's a man who often has done some work for our family. And we've been in connection with him for several years now. And after a while, we began talking and, and we, we realized that we had some mutual uh, friends in, the, in, a, in our past. And he has a past in which uh, he's been convicted of a significant crime. Uh, not, not murder, but a significant felony. And he realized that if I knew these people, I probably knew that. And I had. I, I had known that, in fact, before we chose to do business with him, I had, I had known what had gone on because of these connections. So after about three years, after he found out about these connections, he, said, he just simply said to me one day, do you know about me? Do, do, do you know from them about me? And I, I said, I said, yes. And he said, well, why, why have you trusted me? Why have you treated me with respect? And I, I didn't have like a profound preacher answer, right? Like I actually thought in my head, I'm supposed to say something really good here, right? I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm like made for this moment. All I could think of is to say was, that's just what Jesus wants us to do. Let's move on, Right? I've got issues in my past too. I'm just, I'm thankful I don't have a permanent record with the Justice Department, but I've, I've got issues. I've got things I regret that I wish I hadn't done that hurt people. I, I, I know what it's like to, to have that. Let's, let, let's, let's move on. And I'm not talking about being naive or uh, putting yourself in, in harm's way, but I'm talking about how we treat people and how we see people. And do we see them as our equals? And do we see them as having potential? Or do we just write people off because of what's, what's gone on? Jesus didn't write this woman off. Jesus doesn't write us off. Jesus calls us not to write other people off. And sometimes just by having that relationship where they feel you're relating to them genuinely, they've already written themselves off. So when you don't, they see Christ in that. Sharing Christ also means helping others honestly search for truth, just as Jesus helps us. He helps this woman. It's amazing. His most in-depth theological conversation that he has outside of his 12 disciples takes place with a Samaritan woman. Not with Pharisees who have studied the law, not with Sadducees who run the temple, uh, not with Greek philosophers, with a Samaritan woman at a well. Jesus' most in-depth theological conversation as recorded in the Gospels takes place. Here's, here's how it goes from John 4, picking up with verse 19. Uh, the, the woman says, our ancestors worshiped, or excuse me, she, the woman said to him, see, I, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, 
The hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is for the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. Okay. In spirit and in truth. What, what happens there? She, she's talking about a big theological difference, a big belief difference between Samaritans and Jews. And Jesus goes in and says, hey, I get that we disagree on this, and, and I do think Judaism uh, of, of his day, we would say Christianity of our day, is the most pure, direct, uh, teach, true teachings about God. He's like, but let me tell you, God's at work in you. And what, what God really cares about isn't all these little, small theological differences we have. It's are we really seeking God? And are we looking for and searching for the truth? And when we find the true, beautiful God, are we falling on our knees? Are we worshiping with our whole lives? That's what Jesus is saying, that, that a day's coming and is now here. That Jesus sees the truth in her, and he tries to guide her into greater truth. I remember that conversation with that young adult. There was so much that was true about what he was saying. I, I was proud of so many of the things that had caused him to uh, think he might be an atheist. Uh, he recognized that it was a problem when Christianity was corrupted for political purposes. He did that because of the kind of church he was raised in. I was, I was proud of that. Uh, he, he recognized that when Christianity became about controlling others and coercing them, that if that's what it was about, that wasn't good enough. I was proud of that. He was on to so much truth. There was just further to go. And what I hope that over time my conversation and other conversations will help him do is take that next step of seeing that just because somebody can corrupt the teachings of Christ doesn't mean that the teachings of Christ aren't the greatest teachings we've ever been given. And that just because somebody can use the person of Christ for their own selfish gain or unholy purposes doesn't mean that the person of Christ isn't still present with us each day through the power of the Holy Spirit for God's purposes, which are holy and sacred. We, if we're going to share Christ, we need to be people who can talk about the great beliefs we have and who can see truth in others, even when it's incomplete truth. And finally, in his conversation with the Samaritan woman, we find that Sharing Christ means guiding others to discover their calling. Just as Jesus guides you to discover your calling. Listen to how it happens with this woman. Uh, this is the, the final bit of the passage uh, from John 4, picking up with verse 28. Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. Isn't that amazing? She left her water jar at the well. She'd found something so amazing that she went for water and she came back without it because she'd found something even greater. She left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, uh, Rabbi, have, have something to, to eat. Picking up with verse 39, this is when all the people she's gone and talked to, they get back to him. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I'd ever done. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Her calling was to go share Christ with her community. He helped her find her calling. She's the Billy Graham of the New Testament. She, she is the, the greatest evangelist we see prior to the, to the resurrection. And she was a Samaritan woman with a checkered history who was out in the middle of the day drawing water at the well, which is not when you went because we assume the other women who went in the morning and at dusk didn't want her around and she didn't feel comfortable around them. And this is the greatest person at sharing faith that we find in the, in the New Testament prior to Jesus's resurrection. She found her calling. You know, one of the things we spend a lot of time talking about here at the church is when people start to get involved in church. Uh, and if, you know, if they've been coming to worship about six months, but uh, they haven't jumped in to volunteer or joined a small group, we begin to worry. And we think, well, they're, they're probably going to fall away if they, if they don't get connected because the preaching's just not that good. <laughs> no, that's, that's not it. Uh, and it's not the music either. It's because we were made to be connected and we were made to, made to serve. And you know, Jane Kern, our missions director, she's so good in, in moments like that. So often she's, she'll just sit there and think for a minute and say, they need a job. They, they need a job. It, it's, it's her way of saying, God's got a calling on their lives. We, we've got to help them find that calling. Uh, that's, that's our job. We've, we've got to get to work and we've got to get to work quickly helping them find that calling because we all have that. And it could take place in a hundred different ways, but, but that's part of it. And when we help one another find our calling, uh, then what happens here happens again. Uh, remember, all these Samaritans who hated Jews came to believe that this man, this Jew, was the Savior of the world. What would it look like in our community if all these people who thought Christianity had been hopelessly corrupted and was overtly pol political, came to believe that Jesus Christ was the most beautiful life they'd ever seen, was the most had the most sacred teaching they'd ever heard, and was the only one who could save their souls and save this world. Because people like us, who'd been loved by Christ, spent our lives loving them. Let's pray together. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we come before you and we thank you for the way you have loved us. We thank you for how you have loved us in spite of our checkered past, for how you have led us in the truth and how, oh Lord, you have given us a calling, a holy and sacred calling to be your people, to share your goodness, your mercy, your love, your truth. Guide us, Lord. We can never live out this calling on our own. But if you would guide us, oh Lord, we cannot fail. So as we prepare to come to your table, remind us that we come empty-handed, but we find at your table more than enough for all our needs. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with 
Sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.